Welcome to In In It It Together. Together. I'm Jay. And I'm Courtney. And this is our podcast where we discuss mental health and self-improvement from a couple's perspective. Thanks for joining us again. I know. Here we are. Pretty excited about today. Oh, I bet you are. Oh, I so am because I was in the hot seat last time. I know. So we're going to continue with our attachment series in this podcast. And I guess I am in the hot seat or my attachment style is in the hot seat. Yes, your attachment style is in the hot seat. So last time it was anxious attachment. So today we're actually going to talk about avoidant attachment or dismissive. Okay. So uh, are you going to define what these things are? We're going to go right into um, what the signs are. Yeah. So avoidant attachment, you know, what is it? So we we refer to this as dismissive, which I couldn't think of a better word myself, right? And typically you'll see this in children who don't have sensitive responses to their needs and distress, right? So it's a child that grows up in a very harsh environment. And so you see the avoidant attachment, which basically just means that they don't have any desires to connect. They're very self-sufficient. And the parent's strict feelings are discouraged and there's extreme expectations in the home for independency. So this is like, this is you. Yeah, that's definitely me. And I'm, I'm sure the the rat also played a role in this, right? But uh, we'll, we, we've talked about that in a previous podcast. So we just, we're going to concentrate on what you just spoke of, right? And which is does fit me to a t- uh, single parent home. My mother was very strict, right? Yep. So there was a need for me to be very independent at a very young age. It's crazy to think, but I remember like, at elementary school coming home by myself. Nowadays, that would be considered neglect, but yeah. back back then it was kind of a normal thing, you know, especially when you don't have a family unit to help with the rearing of a child. I was very independent at a very, very young age, had to kind of fend for myself. So all these things that you just described kind of describe my childhood oh, to a T. Yeah, I, I, and I don't want this to sound insensitive, but I was laughing so hard when I was writing out like, you know, the, the outline. Because I was like, man, this is my husband to a T. So when we talk about avoidant attachment, it, what people don't really realize is that it's dismissive behavior. And there's a reason behind that. And let me just leave you with this. There is actually something called the anxious avoidant, just so you know. So it's the avoidant attachment with some of my qualities that we talked about before. So we'll have to do an episode on that because that's well, kind of crazy. Yeah, we're going to continue with uh, the series and we'll, I'm sure we'll touch on that one. And that's one that kind of falls between both of us because I'm, exactly. I'm very, uh, what is it, dismissive or avoidant attachment. And you're, you're on that other spectrum, which we already talked about, right? the anxious. But I did say that if we looked at the Venn diagram, I'm heading more towards secure. And I think you are too. Yeah. I'm, I, that's what I was going to say. I was, I'm hoping that we're both. Yeah. I'm hoping to God we're still not here. Exactly. So, and I also wanted to add a little bit because there is a cultural component to this as well. You know, so culturally, again, I'm Latino and this doesn't only happen in Latino cultures, but in a lot of different minority cultures, right, where feelings and talking about your feelings, working through your feelings is kind of seen as a weakness. So a lot of minority cultures have this stigma when it comes to expressing feelings. We're taught to be thick-skinned. We're taught to, you know, not to dwell on our feelings. And, you know, it's, it's funny because it, I remember having this conversation with you numerous times, right? It's like, I'm picking on you. I'd pick on you, right? And you'd be like, then mm. I told you, like, culturally, you know, we only pick on people that we we care about, right? So 
you know, your your immediate family, your cousins, we all had, you know, derogatory nicknames for each other and we, you know, pick on each other. And it was it was kind of a in a weird way, it was a way to show our love for each other is to pick on them all. Oh, you're too skinny. You're too fat. You're too ugly. Whatever it, whatever <laughs> it was, you know what I'm saying? But you develop these thick skinned attributes because of a lot of this comes from that. Right. And it's cultural. And, and it, we see that in, like I said, not just the Latino culture, but I've seen it in a, in a lot of the Asian cultures in a lot of the minority cultures are the kind of the same way. Right. Well, you know, what's funny is I'm teaching our daughter. No, when a boy picks on you and, and he says, oh, it's just because they like you. No, uh-uh. Nope, that's not happening. But culturally, like you mentioned that, you know, and it's funny because, you know, that's not how I'm raising her. You know, I'm raising her like you've seen this. And I used to hear this when I little. If a, if a boy's picking on you and calling you names, it's because he likes you. And so it sends this message to females that like that's normal and like that's what you should look for. And it's funny because it's like that's what kept that's what stayed in my head. So when you would say these things to me, I'm just like. What? Like, but uh, not realizing that some of that, like you said, was cultural. And it's just it's you have to if you have an avoidant attachment, you know, style, you have to have thick skin because the adversity that you faced prior to that is what developed you. And you needed to learn thick skin growing up, because if not, you would have been crushed because of all the adversity that you were facing. Yeah, I definitely agree with that statement, right? You know, so outside of culture, let's get into like the signs, right? Because like if you're listening to this and you had some a similar childhood, you were probably you're starting to steer into into okay, this might be me. I this I can relate to that because if you're listening to us now and you're saying, "Okay, my parents were strict. You know, I had to have a thick skin. I you know, my feelings weren't really something that that were considered or you know you talked about like on on the anxious attachment about attunement right right and having a parent that was attuned this is on the other side of the spectrum right having a parent that wasn't attuned to your needs at all right am i correct in that exactly you didn't even have needs like needs your, your needs don't matter and so that's where that attunement that's where that lack comes from so this is why when you have in an avoidant attachment in a relations with an anxious attachment to the avoidant, to yourself, you're not attuned to my needs. You're not sensitive or empathetic to what my needs are because that's how you were raised. Like, don't matter what you need. This is what it is. You know what I mean? This is what you need. And you think you can give that person what they need, you know? And so it's funny, though, because that's exactly yeah, that, what we've experienced. Exactly. Because that's absolutely right. Because it's, again, culturally, the familial unit it, it takes precedent over one individual's needs. Right. And that's kind of what you're taught that, you know what I'm saying? The it's the greater good, which, you know, in some instances you want to do what the, what's best for everyone, but not sacrificing your own needs to get there. And that's what we're, we're taught. We're kind of exactly. we're kind of taught the family unit is is more important than what your basic needs are. So it's kind of ingrained in us. And that's where this all this stuff kind of starts to come from. Okay, so these are the these are the top twelve, and these are signs that I have picked up from within our own relationship over the years, and also from what I've seen professionally. So I'm going to start off with now, number do you, one. Would you say that I I meet all twelve of these criteria? Or why don't we make the decision once we get to okay, the end? Let's, let's okay, so this well, is like a tally, right? All right all okay, right. so the first one is is avoiding intimacy, and you'd prefer distance. I wouldn't say that was me. I was, I was I'm a very affectionate person, even though in certain ways I'm distant, but I don't avoid intimacy and I don't. Intimacies can also is connection. 
So your rad pops in there. Yeah, that has to do. Yeah. Okay. So uh, okay. we can give you a half a point for that one, right? Here's the next one, right? Rationalizes your own anxieties by being annoyed with your partner's behavior. So you may be really anxious about something, but you will project it onto your partner. They're clingy. They're annoying. They're this. They're that. I mean, that's a full point right there. <laughs> oh, I don't know because you are clinging and annoy though. I, I'm I'm a little justified in my. Okay. So give me okay. A, so I, a half a point. All right, I'll, all right, I'll take a half a point on that. Self sabotages when someone gets close. Yeah, I'll take a full point on that. You'll one. take a full point. All right. So right now we're at one point five. Right. Pulling away emotionally. Yep. Yeah, that's dead me. to me. You do not exist. You can look me dead in the face. Like, I don't exist and look past me. I don't know how you do that. I just can't do that, but you can do that. What's the next one? Oh, high self-esteem. You don't rely on others for support. Yep. Yep. I'm guilty. This one's my favorite. Dismissive and aloof at times. <laughs> yeah. That, well, that's built right into the, the style, right? It's dismissive, avoidant. Uh, exactly. So, yeah. And, and we're going to get to the bottom of that in a little bit, right? Self-sufficient. You are extremely self-sufficient. Yeah. You've made it known to me. I don't need you. Yeah. You know. I don't need you. I choose you. I, I And, you know, to my defense, I think choosing someone opposed to needing someone is a much better. I agree now. I said that to you last night. I so agree with that. Confident. You are. Can we talk about some of your confidence stories over here? You are so confident in yourself. I actually find it super attractive, but you were like wicked confident in yourself. Yeah, maybe a little too much seriously i like when i give you a compliment like you look really nice today oh i know i'm like why did i why why did i do that to myself oh likes to be in control let's talk a little bit about this one yeah you know what i i admit i am a, a bit of a control freak but not in a bad way i just i'm a i like to be efficient with everything i do and i'm very thoughtful and logical in my approach to everything so it it does. It it drives me nuts when I'm not, for me at least, I, I can't talk for everyone, right? But for me at least, my control issues come from the fact that I, I want to do something as efficiently as I can and as effectively as possible. So it drives me nuts when I see something not being done efficiently or effectively. But if you, you know, like, like now you've learned to do things I I don't want to say my way cuz again if you can if you can show me a way to do something more efficiently and effectively then I'm more than happy to let the reins go. I would go. say that I've cultivated a skill in myself that I have learned to do things more effectively that's not as time consuming or that makes a little bit more sense. And again <laughs> so so I don't know I I I 3 quarters of a point on that. I'm not I am a control freak when it comes to certain things. Because of what I just stated, but I, I don't need to be in control of everything. As, no, but as a matter is, of fact, there, there is... are times that I want you to be in control. And I've told you, look, just make the decision. You uh, you handle this because it's your strength. I don't want anything to do That's with control, it. though. Great. You got me. You're controlling the situation. This isn't something I want to do. You need to handle that because this is what you do. So it's, all right. So, all but, right. But Guilty listen, as charged. Then. But listen, gotta, listen. I'll take the full point on yeah, that one. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about this, though, too, is when you grow up in an environment, right, where you, there's no sensitive responses to your needs, to your desires, okay, and it's harsh and it's strict, you learn that you do not have control over 
that level of adversity that you're experiencing, that lack of empathy that you're experiencing. So you find the things that you can control. So you can control when you're doing a task. You can control, you know, something that you're actively doing. And so that's why you've become what, you know, maybe you call yourself a perfectionist or like to do things right. It's because it's what you have control over. So if you have control over it, by damn, is it going to be done to your standard? Because that's the only control you ever had. So that's where it comes from. Okay. Well, I can see that. I can definitely see that point. Exactly. The next one is difficulty trusting in others. I think that, I mean, you don't trust very easily, if at all. (laughs) No, you're right. It's funny because it's like we've had these conversations too, right? You're one of those people that, well, at the very beginning, you're very trusting. Oh, my God. Like it takes several... I don't want to say layers, but it takes a while for me to have any type of trust in anyone, you know, where I can like, again, it's like there's people that that I hold very close to me. And then there's people that I feel like I'm acquainted with, but I'm not particularly close. Like, you know, so you can you can know me for years and not know like inner, you know, deep, you know, me. Right. Because I haven't shared that with you because I don't trust you. Trust anyone enough to reveal that other because than that my takes inner vulnerability. Exactly. And to be vulnerable, it means that you need to be placed in a position where you may not be safe and have control. So that, that goes back to that control, right? I have to have full control of like even my environment. Ding, yeah. ding, ding, ding. Thanks. You're starting to understand exactly where I'm going with this. And it's because of the harshness. It's because things were discouraged. You are not going to be vulnerable and share yourself with anybody because that means that you are exposed. And being exposed means you can go through all those things again. So you're not going to do that. That's control, right? So it's, so it's funny when you say, so I used to start people off at 100. I was like, oh yeah, we're trusting. Like you're a nice, but let's be best friends. Now I start people off at zero and I've learned that for you. Like trust is earned, except I'm still more trusting than you are. You're kind of a bit more skeptical, but I understand why now, you know? So, and this is, I, I left the best for last. Like, you know, I, I left the, this one for last cause it's really the best one. Highly annoyed with partner and their behavior. <laughs> now you're justified because I'm annoying and I get that and stuff. But even sometimes when I'm not doing something, you still get super annoyed with me and you're like, I'm just, I'm just annoyed right now. And I just thought that that was hysterical. Oh, people in general annoy me. You know that, you know that about people in general, like really get under my skin sometimes. And, but it, it, it again, it takes like, it takes someone close to me to get me angry. Because you, know? you care. Because exactly. if you don't care, you don't, you could care less. Someone could it, be walking across the street and they don't even exist you. Exactly. So it's like. But but they still can annoy me. Because, again, people in general do annoy me. Um, so I don't know if that has to do with that this attachment style or my personality. But, but yeah, just the things people do annoy me just because it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Now, I'm I'm going to say something here. All these 12 signs that I just talked about, you see in narcissists, right? Okay. Now, not saying you're a narcissist. What I'm saying is, is that this is why I think that term is overutilized a lot. Because you may just be dealing with someone who is seriously dismissive with an avoidant attachment issue with some personality going on where they're an asshole, right? But it's not narcissistic personality disorder. I just kind of wanted to point that out. Okay. So give us the distinction then, you know, because I think I know what the distinction is. You have empathy. You still have the ability to take a step back and see how your actions affected another person. And you can feel that 
and you're willing to make changes for it. That's the difference. No, I would agree with that. And I, I take that even a step a little further. And, and back to that point, right? It's about being empathetic, understanding that this other person is a person with a, with their own issues and feelings and, and needs and understanding that. But again, that's that's the disconnect, right? The, the narcissist is just using that other person as a tool for, for what they it's need. It's just a, exactly. And they don't see them as an actual person or see them as, as something that... person is an object or a tool to help them succeed in a goal of their... of their that That's yeah, really that, what it comes down sense. to. So but I just yeah, kind of wanted to point that out because, you know, if you're sitting here and all of this sounds familiar, you know, you may want to assess... Because I think, you know, I see this a lot and I'm really excited because we're going to be having a special guest come on soon to kind of talk about some of this stuff. But that's that's the biggest difference is, is that... It's that it's that empathy and you have empathy. You may have all of these things. You may self-sabotage and not trust and be the most confident person that walks in front of a mirror and tells himself he looks good. But you still have compassion. Like you over the years, you've learned to develop that for me. Like I didn't realize, honey, that when I would do this, that it would make you feel that way. And that felt something for you. You know what I mean? It took a lot. And, I, and I'm proud to say. That of out of your whole dating scenarios that I'm the one that got to get in and I fought to stay in. I didn't, you know, I didn't take your your dismissiveness or your self-sabotaging, you're pushing me away. I didn't even I didn't pay attention to it. I just pushed harder. And I think that that's how you developed trust with me. Yeah. And, and also with my children, you know, as, as much as we've when we've talked about trauma parenting and all the mistakes I've made as, you know, as a very young father and even now, you know, with with the younger kids. I don't treat them as objects. You know, I don't treat them as possessions of mine. And that's, I, I know how, what that feels like, you know, coming from or knowing a, a narcissistic parent, right? So even though I have all these, you know, what you can call traits, right? Yep. Narcissistic traits or tendencies, you know, I still value my children as individuals and try to, and, and I know they have their own lives. And I, my, my role is just to, provide them something my again my trauma parenting came a lot from my fear of what i saw within them but you know i understand that they're they have their own path and i just want to see them succeed and surpass me someday as parents yep you know that's absolutely couldn't have said it better and that's the difference is that your children don't build on you you want your children to build on themselves and i remember at one point i had said something you're like he's his own person he's not you he's not me he may have things but He's, you know, he's his own person. And so, yeah, so that's the biggest difference. If, if the person you're with has that level of empathy and compassion or ability to see outside of themselves, then they're probably dismissive, avoidant with some asshole tendencies. And that's it. Thanks. But you, but I love you. I love, you know, I love you. So. (laughs) All right. So we're going to pause here for a quick message. And then when we get back, we'll talk about working through and getting us from, the what is it dismissive avoidant attachment to, to more secure. secure attachment exactly so we'll be right back we always hear how much the podcast has positively impacted all of you so now here's an opportunity to help us continue making content and we've made it simple by partnering with patreon you can find the link in the episode description for your subscription we've added additional bonus incentives which include a newsletter access to the in it together patreon group and special access to upcoming private episodes with jay For our top subscribers, you'll even get monthly access to Jay and I via Zoom. We're grateful for your support. And don't forget to keep sharing the podcast with everyone you know. Together, we can help grow the In It Together family. Now back to the podcast. 
So we've been talking about how horrible a person I am. (laughs) (laughs) You're an amazing person. Stop it. Here you go, (laughs) self-sabotaging. Self-deprecating. No, uh, we're talking about avoiding dismissive attachment style, right? And uh, so let's now let's shift gears and let's now we've recognized and we've realized we're not narcissists, but we might have these tendencies. But how do we work through then? How do we get to a more secure attachment style? Okay, so I'm going to throw out four things that help. And then I want you to come in and talk about what you think or what you've done personally that's helped you become more secure. Because I think you still have some of these tendencies naturally, but I can disarm you because I know where they're coming from. And you're more vulnerable in allowing me to disarm you. So that shows that you're going more towards security. But the first thing is really understanding the attachment style. And I think that that was the purpose of this podcast. Here's all the signs. This is where it comes from. Understanding it. And then sitting there with yourself and saying, okay, is this my attachment style? Then understanding where it came from. Psychoeducation is key. Understanding, learning, seeking more to understand. That's really where the eye-opening self-awareness aspects come from. So I think that that's, if you're listening, where you could start. So, yeah, definitely understanding with the attachment style or the signs, right? But let's, let's if we double back a little bit, because we want to talk a little bit about, like, there's some positive and some negatives about this attachment style that we should kind of highlight, right? Because, like, confidence, being self-confident isn't isn't potentially a negative right no it's a good thing exactly being independent so let's so it's really just kind of narrowing down and looking at the the signs that are a bit troubling and that can be worked on right like the control aspect of it right we talked a little bit about that understanding that okay you know this is and and i did a little bit of this kind of justifying where my where my control issues is right yep but understanding that, okay, that's just a justification. You still have control issues that you have to work on. That's important. Same thing with the emotional detachment. It's okay in the trust issues, right? It's okay to not be fully trusting of everyone and having people you know, work to get to a level of trust. You shouldn't be that trusting of everyone. That can be a negative and a positive. But again, understanding that you have this and understanding that you can't always be completely strict especially with with a partner or someone that's a that's a part of your life you can't constantly be making them earn your trust so that's important yeah looking at, looking at looking you at like, like okay 17 years do you trust me yet oh you know i do so that's also important right again like pulling away emotionally again that may be attributed you know positively in certain instances right we talk about setting up boundaries and understanding how to set up boundaries and emotionally detaching from those people that are actually toxic for us, that's a good thing. You know, so again, a lot of these signs that we talked about, you know, have the kind of a positive undertone, but also understanding that taking them too far is where it becomes a negative attribute. Exactly. I couldn't have said that better. And I'm really glad that you took a moment to highlight that. Some of these things are like good because honestly, at points, I wish I was more confident in myself at times. I mean, I am now, you know, and trusting others. I wish I trusted a little bit more so I didn't find myself with people who are taking advantage of me, you know, or, you know, 
I wish that sometimes I knew how to pull back a little bit more emotionally because so, I'm so emotionally charged. So it's like good and, and and you don't say good and bad. There's positives and then there's negatives to both. So I think that that was awesome. So and I, that I, goes hand in hand with understanding the attachment style. And I'm wondering like in the, in the VEM diagram we, that you talked about in the anxious attachment podcast, right? Are avoidant dismissive a lot closer to secure than anxious? No. And it's funny that you mentioned that. And I want to talk about that. When we do the next one on anxious avoidant, right, which would be a combination of, of, of both you and I, they're all equally within that Venn diagram to secure because there's all aspects from all four that can all match up. So that was a great question. So, OK, so once we understand this attachment style, how do we then become aware of how it affects the relationships? All right. So if you're sitting here and you're like, all right, I'm guilty. Guilty as charged. This is who I am. I always recommend writing down activities. Okay. So you draw diagrams, like a circle for everybody that you interact with on a daily basis. And in that circle, you put their name at the top. So spouse, whatever, mom, dad, whatever's going on in your life. And then you find these signs and you see if you can place them in the circles. You want to identify the relationships that you see this present the most. And I guarantee that when you do that, you are going to see that these are the people that you honor the closest to you. So you need to start identifying these patterns in these specific relationships. And then once you can isolate that, right, then that's, you know, kind of goes into your next step is learning the social skills that are needed to be able to communicate to these people in a way where you're not self-sabotaging, where you're learning to trust, where you're learning to be a little bit more vulnerable. And that's kind of where you start. And you start with one person at a time. I don't know how you did it, but this is how, from a clinical perspective, that could be manageable. Yeah, I think that's the that's the key right there, right? Communicating, being understanding yourself and then communicating that to to whoever it is, right? A partner. Um, a relative, whoever it is that's in your inner circle, being able to communicate that once you understand that this is my attachment style and these are the things that I have to work on, it's easier to sit down and say, look, I understand that I'm a little bit controlling and I understand I'm a little bit emotionally, you know, help me through that. Help, right. you know, communicating these flaws, if you will, to your partner makes you vulnerable right puts you in a vulnerable state exactly puts you, you know puts you in that trusting state where you are allowing yourself to to be vulnerable to be open to you know that other person bringing them in basically exactly and the moment that you actually can start identifying these styles in your relationships you start to understand that it's less about your partner and more about you so you can start really focusing on your own triggers right and this is this is the best. And I really saved this for the last part. You need to start learning to allow others to express their emotions to you. Because when people express emotions to you, it's always been perceived as a weakness. And that is your biggest challenge. No, I definitely agree. Because again, it, you've seen that as a weakness for so long. And that's what's ingrained in you. So yes, it is a perceived weakness. But again, understanding... Where all this stems from, understanding yourself allows you to, you know, bring the guard down, understand, and you start to to value that. You start to value the um, strength that it takes to 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 show that. Exactly, because that's exactly what that is. Yeah, right? if you grew up in a home where no one was sensitive to your needs or your distress, or your responses, then you're not going to be. You're, you've learned to not be sensitive to others. But I can say that you are extremely 
open with me now coming to you. Like, I feel safe coming to you now being like, I'm sad today or I feel like this or whatever. And you welcome me with open arms and you welcome that. And you've told me that it takes strength because now you realize that when you have opened up to me, that took a lot of strength from you to be like, I feel this way. And then for it to be received in a way that was kind and caring was different for you. So I think you're definitely moving to the secure part of the Venn diagram. What do you think? I would hope so. <laughs> I would hope so too. That's the goal. The goal is not to be like, I'm anxious avoidant for life team over here. The goal is to identify your attachment style, know where it came from, and then try to work on becoming more secure. And so people are like, well, what does security look like in avoidant attachment? And it's what you said, being a little bit more vulnerable, accepting other people and their feelings, not self-sabotaging when someone gets close because you're afraid of the pain that's going to come when they're no longer there. You know, learning that although self-sufficiency is great, asking for help is okay too. So it's finding the balance between wherever you fall. Yeah, and we're going to talk about, you know, secure. That'll be the last one in exactly. the series, right? which is the culmination of everything. Or oh, I should say what we should all be kind of moving towards or trying to Exactly, get progression. Towards. Exactly. So that'll be the culmination of, of our series here after we've gotten through the initial three. Exactly. So the next one will be on anxious avoidant. That's going to be really interesting because I know somebody with that attachment style. So it's going to be pretty cool to talk about. So hopefully everybody kind of, if you were listening to this, I guarantee you're either the, the dismissive avoidant or you know somebody that is. And now you have a little bit more perspective. So I think we should also have a podcast about combining like the different ones, right? We talked a little bit yep. on the anxious attachment one about, you know, how what that looks like in terms of two dismissives would look like. We touched a little bit upon like the nightmare that too anxious would look like, but we'll we'll go into that one. We'll continue the series through that way. So I hope you guys got something out of this. If your attachment style is avoidant dismissive, you you saw yourself a little bit in me and in this podcast. If you're not, maybe your partner is. Just understanding where it comes from, what it is. I hope this has helped. Yes, absolutely. And I and I look forward to continuing to do this series because once we start understanding our attachments and where it comes from, we really can make great progress within ourselves and within our relationships because ideally that's the goal here, right? To improve ourselves. And I, I just want to let everybody know that, you know, you're never in this by yourself. Yeah. So look forward to hearing the other uh, podcasts on, in the, within this series. I hope you guys got something out of it and uh, we'll see you next time. So guys, if you aren't following me already, you can find me on TikTok at Ask.Courtney, on Instagram at AskCourtney underscore, and on YouTube at AskCourtney. And if you'd like to be a guest on a future podcast, you can reach us at podcast with an S at epiphanymedia.com. We'd love to hear your stories, guys, so make sure to reach out. And as always, we're all in this together, so stay safe. Remember, there's no shame in asking for help. Till next time.